you watch any of the the uh, Bitcoin conference thingy in Miami? <laughs> Dude, me and Jana have been watching so much of it. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. Um, wait, and so Tony what, Hawk what, was there. What? What? Okay, wait. Tell me what you're gonna tell me. I'll save. I'll save what I was gonna ask because we oh, we talked about say, it yesterday briefly. Yeah, I mean Tony Hawk was there. Uh, Floyd Mayweather was there. Ron Paul was there. Paris Hilton is there. It's what? it's pretty crazy. <laughs> Very random group of people. I mean, like the people I care about are the you know actual technologists, right? People who are building stuff in Bitcoin, but yeah, nonetheless, like it's just kind of insane the way that it's breaking mainstream. <clears throat> and they actually just announced yesterday uh, this company Strike which works in Bitcoin. They're just a payments payments network built on Bitcoin. They've been investing heavily in El Salvador and just like helping individuals on the ground uh, get access to wallets and begin paying each other and receiving payments in Bitcoin. And in El Salvador, like the remittances can be up to 50% fees. Like if they have... Um, family members in the U.S. who are sending them money, maybe. And everyone in El Salvador used the U.S. dollar. Um, so they're basically like at the bottom of the barrel for the U.S. Do- dollar. They get charged a ton of fees, and 70% of the population has no banking whatsoever. Uh, so they're super vulnerable. But this company, Strike, goes there and just starts setting up individuals on this payment network. And yeah, over the course of a that. few months, they they're improving the GDP of the entire country. This one company and the, the, the guy who runs this company is like my age. Mm. And then he ends up meeting with the president and they announced yesterday that they're trying to make Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. Yeah. That's, that's what I was, that's what I was reading about that. That's the only thing that I've noticed about the conference or anything or that stuck out to me. Was yeah, seeing that El Sal, what do you call them? El Sal Salvadorians, El Salvador. like El Salvadorians. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure what the plural yeah. is, but yeah, they're getting direct benefits from having Bitcoin. That's pretty sick. Yeah, but then again, I mean, it's, it's like at the same time though, you've got what? So Elon Musk was talking about cummies. What the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, Elon Musk is not a very good person to listen to lately. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been noticing. Yeah, like you've got these shit coins, Dogecoin, of course everyone knows about, Cummies and Cum Rocket or whatever it is. That's what it is, Cum Rocket or something? Something like that. You know, it's funny enough, this has actually happened before. People try to make make shit coins for for porn or to like pay sex Mm -hmm. workers or... Mm It was called Spank Coin, I think. Yeah. And oh. so, like, this has already happened and been a stupid trend oh, that was like that makes basically so a scam. Fun. Okay. Yeah. And so, you I know, mean, every every Twitch streamer has a stupid ass economy. Like, it's all their like bits and or not yeah. bits, their fucking emojis and all that shit. Like, bit or yeah, yeah bits too. Yeah, they make their own little bits and. I even had bits <laughs> and yeah, that's essentially what well, it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, they don't even try and pretend. See, that's why like bits or like Fortnite coins or whatever they're called. It's like an NFT uh, essentially. Right. 
No, no, they're oh. just they're just centralized. It's just a centralized database, right. and they're admitting it, and that's the beautiful thing. They're not oh. pretending to be a decentralized. Crypto yeah, group. right, right. And, and, yeah, and that's the thing with all of these small shit coins is they use those buzzwords, kind of like people use AI as a buzzword to say that their software is really smart, mm. and really maybe they're just doing simple automation. But anyway, they're just buzzwords to try and say that like oh, no one can shut us down and we're totally open and the whole world's using us. But actually, in all reality, most of these run on like AWS, Amazon servers. They're okay. super centralized and they just end up scamming people. Um, and, and there's a moat of these surrounding Bitcoin, which is actually helping, you know, people in need across the world. So just how muddy the water is in that, and the fact that, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have a P PR team or like it's not a company. Right. It's, it's open source code. It's an entity. So the narratives, the mainstream media kind of just says what it says. And the narratives just spin off and uh, people are mostly just kind of misinformed about it. It's pretty crazy. Well, um, and it seems like Elon would necessarily not want Bitcoin to be shined in the brightest light too, right? Maybe. I mean, is that making a guesstimate is that like too uh i don't know that might be too far-fetched i don't know well the thing that's what's happening with elon is is deep and conspiratorial mm. it it's kind of hard to get into but essentially he comes out very positively about bitcoin oh, and okay. then flips hard over energy uh really energy misinformation mm-hmm because um, don't they say that like mining for Bitcoin heats up the like whatever, uh, yeah, like heats up the earth essentially. <laughs> yeah, but they're also saying. saying they're also saying that about indoor marijuana grows. So it's like oh, there's so much shit that oh. is apparently heating up the earth. Uh, and if it is true, I mean, that sucks. But it's the if you compare like Bitcoin to like xbox mm -hmm. or bitcoin to i don't know and many of like the everyday objects and waste that we produce yeah uh they're kind of incomparable especially considering the value that bitcoin gives to the world but it's also it's a misnomer from the start because bitcoin actually utilizes over 70 percent, i think renewable energy mm. uh and it's extremely green for that reason, because they're able to use energy that otherwise is wasted because energy is very much proximity based. So like, or, or just it, it wastes if you don't use it. Mm. So they, you know, Oklahoma city has so much energy they allocate per day, mm. how much of that gets used. And then whatever doesn't get used basically gets waste, wasted. Yeah. Some of it gets stored. A lot of it gets wasted. Um, so <laughs> that and a mil million other reasons the the bitcoin energy like whole rabbit hole goes extremely deep but mm -hmm. i mean for me uh someone who's like thinks a lot about the future and the state of the earth mm -hmm. uh and the climate like bitcoin is a reason that i'm optimistic or it's it's my hope for really a greener world mm -hmm. because the fundamental first principle for me is that we have limited resources on this earth backed by infinite dollars, infinite money. Bitcoin is scarce mm -hmm. and it's tied to the energy 
that we actually produce. So scarce money backing scarce resources. For me, I just try and bring it back to that simple point. Um, mm. But like, you know, the, the it's a hot point in the media. Like people, Bitcoiners are fun to uh, hate on. Because right. it's like tech bros or like rich investor types or, you know, anarchists or whatever. Like all of these labels, kind of just calling them cultural undesirables. Yeah, or they're crazy they just, or they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. yeah, or they just like you they want to, they want they want to force the world mm-hmm. to like use their currency and to like yeah pump their bags or whatever. Um, you know, like of course they're gonna say that. Mm-hmm. Like the media always, if you look on history, like everything big that gets built, the media kind of talks talks shit on it up until it changes the world and it's undeniable. Yeah, like what they're saying about the internet like about the internet being for pornographers and gamblers and basically just undesirables. They're saying it's just fighting what's new. It's fighting the change. And of course the status quo is always going to do that. Mm. But now with what's happening in El Salvador, it's kind of undeniable that Bitcoin is serving some of those who are in need the most Mm. and who are under the dollar hegemony. Mm -hmm. And so um you know this it's really encouraging for me yeah, to see. i know that's sick to hear i'm glad that they're getting the help that they need yeah i mean it's you know i'm not praising the government in el salvador right by any means they've done some like shitty authoritarian things but it's not about them it's about it's about the people on the ground who are really getting screwed the most mm-hmm. and um yeah, it's cool. Like that's what I don't know. That's what you want technology to do. Yeah, which is yeah. why a lot of the Silicon Valley like companies and stuff is just it frustrates me. Like you're just making apps on apps on apps, mm-hmm. just serving the same audience, us, more and more digital. Yeah, I think we're I think we're good on self serving apps right now. I think we could take yeah. like a five year break <laughs> or like three years of just like we've got DoorDash. We have Uber, we have Postmates. Limes, we have like all kinds of shit. Yeah, I think we can, I think we're good for a minute, but yeah. we got Tinder. It doesn't work, but. <laughs> got Tinder, we got Bumble, we got yeah. Grinder. Yeah. I don't know. There's what, what more do you need? Yeah. But I mean, you'll be happy to know though. I set I set a weekly timer now to buy a certain amount of Bitcoin now that I can afford it. But hopefully, I won't have to pull it out again for some ridiculous bill. But yeah, trying giving it another shot. <laughs> Dude, nice. That's a it's a it's it's almost more of a vote than it is an investment mm. in my eyes at this point. Yeah. Whenever I get pissed off of the government or whatever which Buy has been happening a lot <laughs> yeah i just, just stack bitcoin right there calms me down <laughs> no but um yeah we'll definitely have like a one or two bitcoin episodes mm. to kind of go deep on it like i know that some people are curious about it and some mm-hmm. people are like they don't want to hear about it so right most yeah, everyone yeah. knows i'm pretty damn into it so yeah. i don't want to spend all the time on the podcast talking about it yeah. But we'll definitely go deep pretty soon here. For sure. 
So I had a, uh, speaking of DoorDash, I had a very interesting DoorDash message last night, if you'd want to hear it. I don't know if yeah. that that's, uh, it's pretty long, so I don't, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to focus for a second. And, uh, wait, wait were, were you, are you driving? Like, no, DoorDash? no, no, no. I ordered. Sure? Yeah. This is the first time in a long time I've had a late night splurge, uh, just cause I was like working on shit at home all day yesterday and forgot to like eat type of day. Um, and yeah, yeah. The next thing I know it's like 12 and I'm hungry as fuck. Uh, so I wanted Buffalo wild wings. And uh, my DoorDash driver, and I'm violently high too. And this yeah. is this is like this is what you were doing, right? Yeah, that that's mean. exactly what I was doing, <laughs> <laughs> working hard in the lab. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I get this message, Josh. This is Mike Honcho, your DoorDash driver. I'm texting you to let you know that I picked up your bu- your order from Buffalo Wild Wings, and I'm currently hurtling myself both time and space in order to make a timely delivery to you. I've been granted permission from Space Force using their global positioning satellite system that circumvent to globe according to them. That's what it says. I'm approximately 14 <laughs> minutes away from delivery. I have take a note of your delivery instructions and I will leave your order at the door as requested because as a member of prestige worldwide, this dude abides. I would like to take this opportunity to thank you for your order and for choosing DoorDash as your delivery option. I truly hope you're having a wonderful weekend and I will have your order to you as quickly as possible. Once again, thank you. Okay. Nice. That's, uh, that sounds like, in email macro or like where it's like (laughs) hello first name thank you for you know like where you have a template yeah and you just insert i wonder if that guy's like a programmer and he has like he wrote a script to take his (laughs) doordash orders (laughs) probably but that that uh i think that scared me out of ordering late again i I don't know if i'll do that again i was like should i eat this food but I literally was staring at it for a good five minutes because I was not in the headspace to be receiving those kind of messages and really threw me off. It really took me out of my uh, self-centered bubble for a second. So I can appreciate it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I had never been more flattered and scared to eat food at the same time, if that makes sense. What if you just piled some C4 just like under <laughs> your fries? Yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah, he put firecrackers in my chicken wings. Uh, I think <laughs> is what happened, <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm fine today. I definitely ate the food. There was a yeah. there was a voice in me that was telling me not to eat it, but I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just wanted to, I had to share that for a second, <laughs> had to yeah, make sure it was yeah. real. I haven't had any any interactions quite like that in Utah yet, but <laughs> this is definitely this is definitely an a interesting dynamic. Yeah, this area. I'm in the uh, I won't give exact location, but I'm in the Utah Valley area, and it's like well, obviously you know Utah's the home of the Mormons, mm-hmm. the LDS Latter Day Saints. LDS. Yeah, <laughs> and. 
So you you expect that side of it, but what's weird is that this whole area has become like basically a tech hub mm. as well. They call it Silicon Slopes. Um, and so all of these tech companies have moved in. And in fact, like the city or the town city I work in, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like 98% of their money comes from tech companies. Wow. Which come oh, from shit. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. One of my coworkers, he lived, he's lived here for like a decade. Mm-hmm. And he told me he's like 10 years ago. And we were in this parking lot, you know, there's building business buildings everywhere. There's a fucking Cabela's and it just everything you can imagine. And mm-hmm. he's like, this whole area was flat like five years ago. And I was like, what? <laughs> so it's like a real cultural shock. Like, Mormons and people have probably lived here for a long time. And then just all these tech people and money is just flooded in. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe they, I don't know, like I'm an unwanted (laughs) new entrant, (laughs) but (laughs) I don't know. It's pretty interesting. One thing (laughs) like me and Jana saw this store. It was like a lingerie store. Yeah. But it was it was husband and wife, romantic. <laughs> yeah. like they have to say it's husband yeah. and wife. Yeah. Damn, I didn't think that there there might be a place more sheltered than Oklahoma. But then again, Oklahoma can be rough in certain spots. So I'm sure Utah, Utah, if it's yeah, if you're by the Mormons, there's going to be a lot of that stuff. I I'd mm-hmm. imagine. Yeah, definitely. But it's weird. It's like old remnants of it. But then mm. there's there's other stuff that's very much um i don't know on the opposite end of things Mm. uh i'm trying to think of another example well you know like the mormons are in some ways they're more sheltered than Mm -hmm. like what we would know in the more bible belt like christian context but there's also different things that they focus on versus versus christians I don't know where they like focus on alcohol very heavily. Yeah. <clears throat> like I learned quick. I, I told one of my coworkers, I was like, I was like, Hey, you know, thanks for training me. It's been awesome. Like when I, when I get up to Utah, I want to take you out and get a beer, you know, just like something like that, like that type of deal. And he was yeah. like, Oh, I, I don't drink. Oh shit. <laughs> and I, was, I mean, he wasn't rude about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, but okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I, this is where I need to be aware of yeah. the culture that I'm entering. Do you know, like, are the alcohol laws different? Have you checked yet? Yeah, they, they are, are different. It's like, everything's hidden in the background. I, I went to this place called the Holy Grill. Yeah. I thought for sure they didn't have beer. <laughs> they didn't and have beer? In, oh, you were cool. assuming that they wouldn't have beer. Yeah, I mean, oh, I would okay. love to have beer. Right, right. And I looked at the drinks and I was inside, didn't see anything to do with beer. And then I get outside and I'm about to like back out. And I, there's like a tiny sticker on the top right of the door. That's just like, like we serve Corona or something like that. (laughs) So you have to ask for it, but they can't, they probably can't advertise it or something like that. Yeah. Or they can only (laughs) advertise it in a tiny sticker. Like it wasn't even on the menu. Holy shit. Damn. I would have got a cold one for sure. (laughs) But, you know, like, I, I think that's one of the main things. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's, what their 
marijuana laws mm -hmm. like here i know there is medical use obviously but um yeah it's it's interesting has anyone commented on your uh your accent yet yes that really? actually happened yesterday <laughs> someone or this uh one of my coworkers, she said i have like a southern country accent <laughs> what fuck in a good way yeah for oh. real which one but <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess i guess i gotta take it yeah and someone there's like this well obviously it's utah there's a lot of mountains yeah one of my coworkers points out the window and there's like a really really large hill like an enormous hill 20 miles in the distance mm. and he's like He's like, do y'all think that's a mountain in Oklahoma? <laughs> like, <laughs> like make fun of me. And I was like, hell yeah. That would be, we'd drive two hours to go climb that. Yeah. Take Get pictures, up that sucker. Have a wedding up there. Yeah. Put it on Pinterest. Fuck it. Yeah. Just don't let the Baptist catch you dancing. Sure. We'll be good. Yeah, but, you know, it's... It's similar enough. I'm glad I'm not in San Francisco. Yeah. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I've been, yeah, hearing some rough shit about, I mean, California in general, but San Fran doesn't sound too good. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell, you know, like, I'm sure a lot of people that live in California and maybe in LA, maybe in San Francisco, maybe it is a lot of people see the videos on social media and stuff like that and they just think that it's kind of overblown maybe yeah. or it's overly focused on i'm sure a lot but, of i'm sure a lot of californians are probably tired of the whole country talking about them <laughs> yeah um, yeah i mean st still though it it seems like what's happening there is a disaster Significant, yeah I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem like it's overblown, but I don't know. Like, maybe I, like I would rather if I was going to be in California, I would want to be so far north that I'm basically in Oregon. Mm -hmm. That's like where I'd want to be, because <laughs> the pretty like forests, and then you got Oregon. <laughs> yeah, it's well, like one of my friends, Austin, he lives in San Diego, and. Like San San Diego is pretty far north, isn't it? I think, or like I've, more north than I have no idea. Actually, <laughs> see, I, see, I don't even know. <laughs> he said it. He said it's okay there, but it's just the what I've heard the worst of is um, San Francisco and Los Angeles mm -hmm. for sure. But it's just like the size of the homeless population is just enormous, and it's such a complicated problem. Like such a strange issue to work around um because it's intertwined with like addiction mm -hmm. and like the economic conditions and just <clears throat> so many different variables mental health um but sorry i'm trying to find san diego because now oh, i can't stop thinking about it yeah but yeah i mean it is a it is a tricky situation that I mean, I can't even begin to fathom what what they would have to do to fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
besides like making shit more affordable slash giving anyone jobs, which I think people, oh, we were way off. San Diego is basically right next to Mexico. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Damn. It's like complete opposite. It's right by Baja, California is what they call it. Oh, shit. Well, that shows what I know. Kind of by Mexicali and Tijuana. Damn. It's right by Tijuana. Yeah. Well, I got to... I got to hit up Austin then. I want to have him on the podcast anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He does some crazy biomedical tech research. I don't even understand. Sick. But yeah, I mean, it was crazy for a lot of people. And for me, like when I first um, realized I wanted to be a software developer, I Mm kind of looked at California or looked at San Francisco and I was like, that's the place I have to go Mm. because I, well, if I want to take the shortest path to legitimacy and, and, um, being in a good company or being an upcoming company, you have to go like right to the heat of the fire, basically Mm. right where everything's happening. And that was my mindset for a while. And then it just flipped like, you know, throughout 2020, everything that's happened and, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to live there. Like it's so sketchy. The taxes are being raised higher and higher. The, the prices are absolutely insane. You know, it's no wonder that more and more people are being pushed in the streets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like what, how, besides making things more affordable or, or just hiring anyone, it's like, yeah, how the, how the hell are they even going to, be able to stay a state at this point like which but i say those things like they're easy to do which i'm sure they're not but i don't yeah. know does it just reflect the debt that they're in potentially is that what it is i don't know like we're not economists yeah so, I'm, so. I'm, i i mean you are more than is. i am but <laughs> i i think at the root it, it has to do with the money um and the debt and the fact that the money is broken, but that's at the root. Everything above, all of the politics, all of the the state budgets and how they work, the decisions that have been made. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Um, I'm just someone I guess, <laughs> who's, yeah. who's kept up with it because I thought about moving there, and I was I'm curious about like the tech ecosystem there and all of that. And you've just seen a huge flood of lots of people and lots of companies leaving there, going to Miami, going to Austin, Texas. Well, it definitely uh, it definitely seems like that they don't have the homeless in like it's not in their best interest, and so then it's kind of weird when you got to start like uh, thinking about the people who have been involved in their in their politics, you know, on a state level, haven't exactly been just normal politicians. They've also been like celebrities and shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like you kind of it's kind of hard from an outside perspective. It's kind of hard not to start thinking like, okay, so where the fuck has the best interest been for California for the past, like 20 years, the home of, you know, the the rich and the famous or whatever. Like, yeah, it's kind of no surprise that the homeless are kind of getting the shit in of the stick. And when I say homeless, I mean the people who probably five years ago had a home in that state. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, potentially, um 
but that's just my well, it's, it's, ignorant viewpoint. No, totally. I, and just looking at things simply, where you have a place like San Francisco, where you have San Francisco is, I would I would guess I would bet money that San Francisco is the single richest. 100 or 200 square miles on the earth as far as my, as far as our you know our numbers that we make up that right say so and so you have like this dynamic where you just have the richest people uh, mostly in tech but some of them in hollywood and advertising etc cetera, etc cetera. and you're just stepping over homeless people in san francisco mm. and san francisco which has been this home of innovation driving hundreds of billions of dollars, yeah. actually trillions of dollars of supposed pr- productivity and value created. And, you know, technology is supposed to free our time. It's supposed to make things easier, better, and more efficient to do. Yeah. And it just makes you wonder where, where's all that value? All that value is created, yet the average person is worse off now. Mm-hmm. What? Well, how? How can that be? Mm-hmm. If we've been so productive and so innovative, and advanced science and technology so far, and um, you know, and and really, I I think it goes back to the money. Mm-hmm. But or the, the fact of the matter the- is, for sure, the people at the bottom aren't receiving the benefits of any of that. Yeah, yeah. Which which probably means there's something fucky going on with the laws that are being passed. Kind of, I guess, kind of what you were saying earlier too. Yeah, I have no idea how how those state laws work, but yeah, same. I know they can't have plastic straws in uh, San Francisco. Right, <laughs> that's just the memes. So yeah, no plastic but, straws, but you can have a tent city. It's okay. Yeah, and what I mean by that is like no one seems to want to fucking help, but they can drive as many Teslas as they can. Like it doesn't matter as. Like as long as we have self-driving cars in five years, the ten cities will remain. Like that's what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. Um, I was gonna say to all of our California listeners, sorry for our <laughs> yeah uneducated opinions. Come, yeah. come, uh, come uh, roast us. Tell us what's really going on. Yeah. Tell tell but, me tell me about Oklahoma. Tell me what you think <laughs> Oklahoma is like. <laughs> we've heard yeah, we've heard what the lsds are like right you should call them the lsds instead of the well, L- yeah. lds the lds needs happens. to take lsd yeah man that would be crazy if like some do they have communion um if someone like just like know. took a dropper into communion and put it in the in the communal grape juice probably because <laughs> they wouldn't be drinking wine That'd be like uh, that'd be a crime, but <laughs> yeah. What is the? Oh my god, I forgot the name of that movie. Um. Okay, we'll get back to it. I'll remember <laughs> it. Was it was the horror movie that was like the in the really pretty? Oh man, I'm drawing blanks. Did you take LSD this morning, Austin? I think so. <laughs> Dude, but, but imagining, uh, yeah, just dosing a congregation. Like that'd be a horrible crime to humanity, but it would be insane to see people experiencing a religious uh I don't know, whatever you want to call it, on LSD. 
that'd be yeah religious experience well it's interesting uh, the people in the in the 60s and 70s when like all of the psychedelic controversy mm. was coming to its head and uh what's his name that professor that was at harvard said tune in drop out that's sleep my friend <laughs> sure yes yeah, drop out of life with bong in hand my friend damn i need to listen to that album um those that's the only harvard uh professors i know of are in that band he's he's super he's super famous people will know but anyway just just when everything was happening with psychedelics and they started to become illegalized after so many experiments well, well there's theories that um terrorists or like hippie terrorists or psychedelic loony terrorists were going to do these lots of these attacks where they would like poison the water source or cut the water source with LSD or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, it hasn't really happened, but you, you know, who did do that? <laughs> We've already talked about this, but the government. with Oh, the oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we but gotta it's bring funny, it back. It was like the government and Nixon were spreading the rumors and spreading all the fud about mm. people who took psychedelics. And peace, you know, love, how and guns, brother. That. We gotta bring yeah. back the militant hippie. <laughs> <laughs> peace, love, and ammo. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. I wonder. I, I would. I would love to look that up. I should look that up if there has been any like group almost attacks or anything oh like a hippie militia essentially like a gorilla well no i guess i shouldn't say attacks i mean like po- uh, it's not even poisoning just drugging oh yeah like, mass drugging like yeah 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 mass drugging yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a good name mass drugging yeah we well someone argue that we have been mass drugged what in various by, ways but by the by the apple uh are you talking about memes (laughs) well i was thinking sugar but oh can't go a day without it i shove that shit up my nose (laughs) just take fucking sugar cubes and it hurts but the blood means it works you ever you ever snort anything off of a bat when you were like 12 yeah yeah pixie sticks powdered gatorade uh salt <laughs> pepper what about you <laughs> wow i really unlocked a lot there <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's more but we'll stop there yeah i uh i spent one time at the omniplex or the the, si- the science museum mm. i snorted some sand from one of the uh, <laughs> one of the displays <laughs> on a bet I was like 11. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, that, do you remember really... it vividly? Like the, the, yeah. yeah. See, mine were fine. Cause they had taste to them. I mean, even the pepper sucked, but like, I still had a kind of flavor, but sand is just grit. It's all grit. No flavor, you know? Yeah. It hurt. <laughs> yeah. Me and, uh, me and Zach Dugan and, uh, a few other people 
Grant as someone who also did this, Grant Raven, but we would try and like, like swallow whole ice cubes or like (laughs) most of an ice cube or swallow a gummy worm, (laughs) just like whole. (laughs) Dude, that's the most. So there's a few times that I, I swallowed a gummy worm whole. Oh, I hated swallowing ice cubes on accident. I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have played that game then. But I, it's scary. It feels so weird going down, like, yeah, just big old icy lump going down your fucking esophagus. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because some people are like, they can't even take like really small Mm. pills, Mm. like uh, ibuprofen or something. Yeah. Like they have to break it up. Yeah. They got to do the whole like, Dude, you ever watch people like take pills and everyone does it differently, but then there's just the like, okay, wait, how do you take a pill? <laughs> a pill? I yeah. take, I get, I get all of them in my hand, toss them back, toss them in, toss water. Okay. That's yeah. It. Yeah, exactly. One swallow. There's like people that are like fill their whole mouth up with water and then they're like, and they like have to drop it in and like. But they put the water in first. Yeah. It's like putting the milk in <laughs> yeah, before I know. you put it in the cereal. That's what I said. <laughs> There's so many. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I wa- I watch people take pills and I pay attention to it, apparently. Anyways. Uh, no, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was just funny. I don't know. To go to the extremes of the other side. Like, what's what's the biggest thing mm. you can swallow that won't kill me? <laughs> ice cube. <laughs> Yeah. I think an ice cube, an ice cube you could choke. No. I think you could technically choke on an ice cube, though. You could, but the thing is, the time you might choke for a little bit, but before you die, you won't think... choke long enough before it melts. I don't think it'll melt that fast. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll melt fast once you're in it. Once it's in your throat, and you're like, you know, and it's just like all the friction, and then I don't know. That's the logic. It's what if it went different. down the wrong pipe? Yeah, then know, you would have <laughs> ice cold pneumonia. <laughs> it would just go near a lung, and yeah. you would you'd become uh, an ice man. I don't like that. Yeah. You'd be a human ice maker at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, those, <laughs> my my days of doing those types of things are mostly over. Well, yeah, you got mountains to look at now. Look at them again. I can see them in your glasses. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm getting 25% of the feeling that you're getting right now. Yeah. You know, future future's looking green. Yeah. And rocky. Dude, you got to tell me if you see any uh, goats. Mountain goats? goats. Yeah. Or like elk oh. or some crazy just like wildlife shit up there. Have you ever seen an elk in person? An elk? Yeah. 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 There's so I've seen elk. Not a mountain elk. goat. Not like a real mountain goat, at least. I'd love to see. I'm pretty sure they're in like, Utah. I could be wrong. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking of the ones that are like scale, they can scale the super steep. Mm, I think so. Outside. I think they are. That'd be cool. I'm looking it up. Yeah, there's a mountain near me called Big Baldy. Big Baldy. Don't know why. Just thought it was funny. Also, there's a big G on one of the mountains. Just a big G. Really? 
That mountain's a G. It's like, wonder what that's referring to. It's like, I need, I need to go talk to big G. I mean, big G might be on the mountains. You never know. Uh, Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I need to go up there, have a, have a quick convo with big G. So there are populations of mountain goats, uh, in the high Unitas. I don't even know. I didn't say that right. Lone peak, Mount Olympus, twin peaks and Mount Mount Olympus. Yeah. What? Bro, that's where Zeus lives. Olympus? Yeah. Dude, it's in Utah. Holy shit. Uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's on the same mountain, but I'm thinking like God of War. Oh. <laughs> uh, have you seen the show on Netflix by any chance called Murder Among the Mormons? Uh-uh. No. Oh. I don't have I I don't have Netflix anymore for right now. Good for you. But I'm, I'm this was like to... the only show I've watched in months. Uh, but it's crazy. It's about these bombings that happened in the 70s in Salt Lake City. Like where three people literally got pipe bombed. Like oh. set up. And it has to do, it involves like old Mormon documentation in the Mormon church. It's it's a really crazy story. But well, when, when when did this happen? The 70s. Okay. Damn. Yeah. It gives it gives like uh I'm I've never been like super into the whole serial killer mm-hmm. true crime world. Yeah. True crime, yeah. Like I know that there's people that are get, like get like really into that stuff, mm-hmm. and it's definitely interesting. I'm and I'm lightly curious about it, but yeah, it kind of falls into that category of, of I don't know. You're just kind of so curious about the mind behind stuff like this and how a mind like that gets created. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's insane. I mean, it can happen everywhere or anywhere. Like when you see it coming out of like, you know, religious communities, not that religious communities are necessarily the ideal communities, but basically from every kind of community, every kind of world, there there will be some small percentage of people, like super, super small percentage that are just, uh, I don't know what the technical term is, but basically like psychotic or completely unsympathetic and unempathetic to others. Mm-hmm. Um, sociopathic. I think that's what that is. Yeah. They're very rare. It's very rare when people are just born that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It usually involves cruelty done to them as a kid. Yeah. It's yeah. A, usually it's, well, I don't know if it's usually, but I mean, you, it's common to hear about like mm-hmm. a short source of trauma. Yeah. And that's why it's weird to see like serial killers from the seventies and eight, from that time period, slowly kind of in modern culture, almost become like anti-heroes to some Yeah, where they're like, well, they were treated so bad when they were kids. So it kind of makes sense that they turned everyone into a leather couch, you know? And it's like, <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh yeah it it is interesting to see 
them slowly become like people there you can still see well and what's scary is there's there's still humans so you can see the humanity in them mm-hmm. before they do the heinous crimes or whatever i mean i don't know yeah. much about this guy was this person like uh was it a group of people sorry i did you say well, that already or it, it was a person it's kind of hard to talk about it without like totally totally spoiling it mm-hmm. um but what what was interesting is that yeah he has once you once you find out who he is and this person gets caught he's extremely open with talking about mm. everything that happened everything that he did everything about his life and he ta- he just talks about how from a young age he had cuz this is basically a person who lived a double life and oftentimes right. you find that these serial killers they, they have a double life type yeah. of dynamic going where they have a public persona, maybe even a family yeah. and a job and they John keep Wayne up Gacy. with that stuff. Have you ever read about him? Yeah. Or, yes. That's exactly who I was thinking about. Yeah, John yeah. Casey. So they have this incredible capacity to just like live a full normal life. I mean, mostly full, like mostly typical life and kind of blend in and be unassuming but then they have this part of themselves that, li- that literally they share with no one else, no one else. Except for their and... victims. <laughs> and that. Oh, you broke up. Oh, I was saying, except for. Oh, their... sorry. You broke up for a second. What was that? Oh, it's all good. I was saying, uh, you saying they don't share it with anyone else except for their victims is what I said. And that, and that's kind of like yeah. part of it. That's almost in a weird way, part of it for them, for some of them, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for this particular person that that did these murders, he like he talks about from a young age how he discovered like lying and manipulation mm. of a very certain type, and then kind of got rewarded from it at a young age, uh, and then felt like kind of a sadistic power and control yeah. through it. And just through that feedback loop and because the nature of the thing he was doing, the nature of it was such that he could not share it. It was a lie, was a construct of his own that he was using to define his life because of that. um, And and he got this sick pleasure out of it. It just kind of grows and grows to the point to where he becomes capable of killing other people. Mm. And for me, like the way that that story was told in particular, like, it just made me think about that, about the kind of the dangers of almost like ego or almost where you go so deep in your own mind or so you develop such a separate sense of self outside of the world where you see it different than the rest of the world. And it's so overly developed. And that's how these serial killers in this one in particular sounded, where it was like his sense of his control and the construct he had made and the lies and manipulation were, were such a dominant part of his mind and so separated from reality and separated from the sympathy and empathy of everyone else that it just almost pollutes your mind where you can't, you, you can't resist the temptation to do what eventually becomes convenient in your path or desirable, which is, mm-hmm. you know, to inflict harm on others. Right. And, and maybe that's not an ultimate common theme, but that kind of 
I don't know, that kind of, that, that really stood out to me. And like you see it in other types of mental sickness where often it's a sense of a disconnection of reality where there's an internal mind and internal self. Yeah. It can't ever be redeemed or reconciled with, with reality. That's why personal narratives are so dangerous. And I've been trying Mm -hmm. to like see that in people like not Pete, not acquaintances or friends, but just like everyday people you talk to. It's like, is okay. Is there, is there some kind of other narrative going on up here? Cause like, that's what starts that track down. Like the narrative in your head starts becoming more of a reality than reality itself. And that's why drugs can be dangerous too, is because sometimes some people can't distinguish between those different realities, you know, because drugs are a very like mental thing. It's up in here. And yeah, it, it's scary when, yeah, the narrative that someone is using in their brain starts becoming like essentially their story, <laughs> like their story in life. They're trying to control how they are in life. And yeah, yeah. Some, some, some people know it's wrong and some people don't know it's wrong. And that's, that's another crazy like layer of it as well. Some people have the double life because they know that they shouldn't be doing it. And then there's other people, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's very well known serial killer that was just like all by himself all the time. And like, Mm -hmm. because you know, it's wrong, but you're still doing it. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, totally. And it's like, like you're talking about control. I think it is. I think it is that a lot of it is that desire for a sense of control. That's why you make up these narratives in your head and pour them over and over and like make up this image of yourself. Mm-hmm. And we all do this. And like, I don't talk about this and watch this documentary and think about this guy as like, oh, I'm better and I'm different. Right. But more like it's an opportunity for me to reflect about my own psychopathy, you know. And you know, there are times when I'm when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, when a lot a lot of things are happening and I'm kind of like I'm talking to myself and I'm I'm twitching and I'm kind of like I'm totally in my own world. If someone were to come by and see me maybe for two or three seconds, they wouldn't be able to tell if I was totally insane or just a normal person in a stressful situation. Yeah. And like, you can catch yourself in these moments and realize like just this, the stress of that and how it's not desirable. Yeah. But then there's other times that you can be dealing with a hard situation. I don't know. Like I just moved Mm -hmm. and like moving shit up three flights of stairs for like four hours straight while there's a bunch of stuff I have to do and a bunch of things to prepare for. But it's like, that was not the same mental state. I was just like, you know, nothing going on in my mind, just getting through it, focused in the moment, like step by step because it was hard. Yeah, yeah. And like, those are almost like two polar opposite states of mind. And if you kind of just live in that fantasy land where you're doing more and more to construct the reality in your own head, ignoring the actual world out there. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, just like... It's making it tough on yourself, really. Like, it's just... In the end, it just makes it extremely harder for you as a person, like an individual, 
that's what I've learned. Like the more that I've like allowed that side of my head, because like you said, everyone has it. So like the more I've allowed it to exist, the harder life gets <laughs> almost. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny how that, how that works out. But yeah, if you kind of just accept life as it's coming, you accept it on its terms. Like, um, yeah. It, yeah. It's a lot better. Mm-hmm. And and that totally reminds me. And Which is a Buddhist finish. approach approach too, but yeah, exactly. And a lot of really, a lot of religions and old ideas mm-hmm. pull on that string somehow. But, but just to finish off this topic, that, that totally reminds me in this documentary, uh, murder among Mormons, the, all of the people that were around this killer mm-hmm. and are kind of interviewed throughout the documentary in the end all of them almost all of them are destroyed and their lives were ruined just from being within the vicinity except for two of the characters who had particularly awful things happen to them one of them had like all their wealth lost Mm. and realized they were a participant in something terrible another one was well her husband was one of the victims and died but both of them the two people that ended up okay they specifically forgave Hmm. uh like out of their own necessity they forgave the killer they forgave the whole situation and they made an intentional effort to accept it Mm -hmm. and they ended up being mentally the most okay and everyone else and like the final interviews and everything's closing out it, it does not seem like there's resolution. Mm. They're distraught by it. They're like crying. They're broken. Their yeah. lives have been ruined, even though this happened 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like, oh shit. That that was that was heavy because I don't know. That's that's something I've thought about a lot before, which goes right into acceptance. I think yeah. forgiveness and acceptance are kind of Yeah kind of pretty similar or, or they're part of the same process. And, um, you know, it's like, self, it's like a selfish thing. You, you can think of it selfishly mm-hmm. and I, a lot of people should. Dude, forgiveness is the sickest tool that I've learned really. And I, it took me a long time to accept it just because I saw it in the light of like a Southern Baptist perspective. Cause that's yeah. how, you know, we were similarly raised religiously, but like once you learn that forgiveness is also for you, mainly for you, like you're like, it's the best way to cope with shit. Essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like, it becomes such a like useful tool. And I've like gotten rid of so many personal like burdens just by like forgiving someone in my own head too like maybe don't even have to tell them like maybe someday but like yeah i don't know forgiving is way better than harboring some kind of negative feeling Mm -hmm. but it's insane that they would even forgive someone like that you know that like probably took everything like you're saying took everything away from them but it still can be more powerful than holding on to it's like what you're going to 
your life is destroyed and you're also going to hold on to all the negativity. Nah, you'd rather just like yeah. forgive and move on and forget about it. Start yeah. start the next chapter. <clears throat> no, and, and of when it comes to forgiveness, like self-forgiveness, like you were mentioning mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things for people. Mm-hmm. Um, like self-forgiveness and self-love. And that's why, you know, like this is kind of parallel to, to Buddhism, but there's meditations called, uh, they're called loving kindness sometimes or meta. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically meditations where you, where you invoke the feeling of love and then you move the target of mm-hmm. what you're feeling love for. So like maybe you think of the one person like someone in your life who you just, you care about so much, maybe a sibling or a parent or your partner. And you imagine them like on the happiest day of their life, you know, mm-hmm. getting everything they wanted. And maybe you imagine them on the hardest day of their life mm-hmm. and seeing them in pain. And you kind of just invoke this feeling of just, it's just pure love. It's not, you. it's not ego. It's not, it's just like it's kind of separated from all of these gross daydreaming and desires and kind of the normal content of our thoughts mm-hmm. and you evoke this feeling and then you take it and maybe you start to think of someone you don't like or maybe you start to think of yourself or maybe you zoom out and you think of a whole town or something like that and so and so people that are really into loving kindness meditation they just like invoke forces of love within themselves and like yeah and just focus yeah. that on as many people and as as many different people as they can That's and on themselves. And it's an interest. I'm not like super into it. I've tried it a few times, but I mean, it's pretty interesting to just like call out that really soft feeling that, that you can feel towards, I don't know, your, your siblings. Like for me, if I think about like my, my brother, when we were little kids and we'd, both get an ice cream bar and he dropped his when right. I think when I think about something like that like it just invokes such like a loving like sad yeah uh, pathetic feeling all of a sudden yeah and I can just take that and I can roll that into like any bullshit that's happening in my life right it, it's kind of a funny experiment to try like whatever gets you going <laughs> but yeah I mean for some people it's just like self-forgiveness or self-love like mm. people hate themselves yeah and and really, I I have at times. Mm-hmm. Like really well, I feel like healthy people. Well, what's crazy is healthy people hate themselves. <laughs> like, and what I mean by that is, it. I've been watching this YouTube channel called JCS Criminal Psychology. Hmm. So it's funny that you're mentioning that uh, documentary, but it it shows interrogation videos of people who have committed crimes it's shown mm. a couple of school shooters it's shown a couple of actual psychopaths and mm. it's interesting that you say like you know or well what i was thinking like hey uh healthy people usually don't like the thoughts that drive them to do like horrible things because you know it, it starts with those negative thoughts i mean and then it just can't get rid of them but like there there will be some people on that youtube channel that 
know that the negative thought that drove them to do something horrible, they know that it's bad, but they don't feel that like, um, almost that like self-hatred of like, man, I wish I was doing better or I wish I like, mm. I wish I hadn't done that. It, they that channel's really good at di like distinguishing between people who are kind of like these school shooter types that some of them really are just they did it because they were being shitty essentially like they're just a shitty person and they don't really they they're probably just more upset they got caught and then there's some people that are on there that are like physically or mentally, sorry, they are mentally like, I got caught. Yeah, this is what I did. They'll they'll just confess the whole entire crime to the interrogation person because they're like, yeah, you caught me. I don't feel remorse. I don't hate myself for it. Like, this is what had to happen. Whereas the other people who are like, They'll they'll like start playing insanity essentially. Like they'll start like pretending to see shit in the room and like because they they don't want to get caught still. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah, like Yeah, or they like, just can't take on They can't deal with the self hatred that they've been putting off. Yeah. Because they like can't believe that they finally like just yeah, shot a bunch of people or something. Like <laughs> Um, they have to blame some like demon or some entity that is in the room and they'll start like saying shit and whispering and the interrogator will just be like, Oh yeah. Is the demon in the room with us right now? <laughs> like just kind of, I don't know. It's interesting to see the, the lack of self-hatred in a person, which can almost be detrimental. And then like people running away from that self-hatred and seeing how it plays out in individual in like different people. Mm -hmm. If that even makes sense. That might have been a long, long road to uh <laughs> Well, I see what you're kinda of saying. Like if you have absolutely no self I I don't like the term self hatred. Right. Yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. of just like self critique. Yeah. If you have none yeah. of that, then maybe that can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. But if you have if you're just full of it, then you know that can be dangerous in its own yeah in its own right for many different reasons but i just know for me erring on the side of less of thinking of myself less is mm. much just kind of makes me happier mm. uh cuz it's a lot it's a lot to do if to, if if you create an image and we all have to create an image kind of to like try and embody something and go out in the world and do something. Um, but it's really a, a burden because it's not an image can never really be you. Like if you're zeroing in on what is exactly you and you're trying to create it with a story or persona in your head and then like communicate that out into the world, it's like already a construct from the very start mm. So like it, it, it can't be done. Um, and that makes sense to me. And normally I'm, I communicate the best or I, I don't know. I like myself the best. I have the most peace. I have the most fun and connection whenever I'm not thinking about me on the metal level of like, 
Mm-hmm. Am I preserving my image? Am I right? whatever? Am I liked? Am I being funny? Am I being annoying? Am I being this? Am I being mm-hmm. that? Like whenever I'm not thinking of those things and I'm just, I'm in the moment, I'm genuinely connecting with people. That's when I'm most myself. That's when, I don't know. It's, and it's kind of an irony uh, a, a little bit, but it's just like turning that off as much as I can mm-hmm. has been for me like the best social tool and like mental health tool. Um, and, you know, that's why uh, social media and, and all of these things can be so damaging for people mm-hmm. mentally or, or take such a toll and such a stress on it. Yeah. Do you find it easier to be able to be in that mindset uh, after moving? Maybe because you don't know like, a lot of the coworkers you have and everything are like you're meeting them for the first time, probably I'm assuming. Right. So is it almost easier to kind of like reinstall that, that way of thinking, I guess. Um, it's actually interesting. No, no, I've definitely noticed. And it's interesting. It's interesting because well, like back home, uh, everything that I've done, uh, how do I say this? Basically, back home, people have a sense of who I am. Right. You know, as much as maybe I tr- would try and change myself, everyone everyone kind of has an idea of my character and my past. Mm-hmm. And so people know you. So there's a sense that even if you're doing new things or even if you've changed a lot, you're still kind of dragging that old image. Right. And you'll, you never really escape it. And so, but then over the last three to four years, I've started when I, when I wanted to become a software developer, you know, when you have a, an idea like that, or you start to pursue something like that, you're almost creating a new image of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, cause you know, you're thinking about what, what am I going to do? How am I going to spend my time? What am I going to learn? You know, what is it going to feel like? And then you just start to construct kind of this story, kind of this idea of how you'll make it, how you'll get through. And so, you know, I constructed this idea of me as a software person, whatever, and kind of was, that was not the dominant image I had though, when I was in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. because everything was kind of the same in my life. Yeah. Had the same job, had the same friends, but like, as soon as I got here, nobody knows who I really am. Nobody knows my past. Right. They really don't know right. much about me and they just kind of have an assumption of who I am, which is like this fit in the box, just kind of a young mm-hmm. software kid. Yeah. Like, it's funny. My boss, she said something like when she was talking to me, she was like, Austin, I know you've always been an overachiever, so don't, don't do this and don't do this. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I was like, Oh my God, you have no fucking idea. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so all that to say, like, it's, it's kind of weird. It's more, it's more of just, I'm seeing how fake and how much of a construct these images are, you know, I could be going all in, putting all my chips on this new identity and be like, yeah, I'm going to be a total tech bro. Like I'm going to be the ultimate tech bro (laughs) (laughs) and go all in on it. But it's like, I, I don't know. I'm not this just like I wasn't the image that I had before or whatever I thought I was before. Yeah. It's kind of just like, it, it's unknown. It's not, 
you can never, if you, as soon as you define yourself, that thing that you define is like, you've already changed. You've already become something different. Right. So it's kind of just the truth is what you do. Um, so that's kind of made that more obvious to me. And it's just, I don't know. It's a strange identity crisis mm-hmm. really is, is all it feels like, but it's cool. Cause I don't really have to try. I don't feel like I care what people think of me here too much. Yeah. That's sick. It's pretty yeah. easy not to care what people think of you in Oklahoma as well, though. That's yeah. all. I, that's all I've learned growing up. The longer I stay here, the more I'm like, you. If anyone, not saying anyone has, but if anyone were to ever judge me or anyone else, it's like, we all we're all living in Oklahoma, yo. I mean, at least yeah. if you judge from Oklahoma. <laughs> no. I- I feel like in in a way I feel like that, but it's also when you run into people from your past, from mm-hmm. deep in your past, when, when one of those people could be right around the corner, mm-hmm. it almost feels like that, that past self comes out. Like oh, I don't know, yeah, that child yeah. is still inside. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to escape from it, but, but here there's no one, no. And I could be using that to run away from, whatever right, right what i'm scared of about myself but i don't yeah. i don't think i'm doing that yeah <laughs> well it'd be good it'd be interesting i'm sure that there's n- maybe not enough people that are just trying to truly stay themselves i'm sure there's a lot of people that do take that easy easy way out which i mean you know if it works for them it works for them of like just writing that new uh not personality but I mean, essentially a life, a life changing move. So yeah, some, it would be easy for some to just throw it into neutral, I guess, or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just cruise. No, definitely. And in a lot of ways, like that's the, the whole theme of this podcast, like that type of stuff, it scares me, mm. even though it's a lot more attractive to be maybe a software engineer than it is to be trapped in a, another type of cubicle job mm-hmm. nonetheless if you go on youtube and you search like day in the life of a software engineer or anything like that like just the popular image the it's like a new type of celebrityization yeah. or yeah. a new type of just a way to be cool in the right. world and and it's fun. like if you learn that skill and then you get the job and, and the world is just glorifying it. And, you know, you can just dive into all of that and just, it just makes so much sense. It's so attractive. But mm-hmm. for me, when I see it, it's like, it's, it's scary because I know it's not genuine. And also I'm, I got into this not to be, I don't know, not, not to be because I want to do stuff. Cause I want right. to make stuff, not because I wanted to go at some big fancy tech company that just has a fancy office and spoils you all the time. And all that you do is slightly improve some metric on some tiny product, some big giant company. Mm-hmm. Like that was not what I wanted to do. Uh, and for a lot of people, like that's, that's their dream. That's where they're trying to end up at. Like if they make it at Google, that's it. Right. Like, yeah. What's you next? should be happy at that what's point. next though <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's what i'm saying is what's next and yeah i've 
I've worked with people now and I've talked with people who someone I've met with like every week, he used to work at Facebook and Google and all of these, all of these tech companies really in the last 10 years, he's lived the life that everyone that wants to get in the software, you know, mm -hmm. he's done the things that all of them wanted to do. And when me and him were, were talking, you know, we were both relating to the same exact thing, which was like, I was telling him like, oh, I've been kind of distracted lately. Like I haven't been working on my side projects and, and kind of getting my stuff done quite like I want to. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me the same exact thing. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I want to yeah. do this. And like really wanted to get into this and make this into something, but yeah. just work and this and that. And it's like, you know, this guy has everything to probably everyone. He's probably a millionaire as far as I know. Mm -hmm. He's had the career that everyone's wanted to have. And here he is and me and him are feeling bad about ourselves for the same exact reason. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, that's well, that was like confirming. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. this isn't going to make me happy. This isn't the path I want to take. Like, right. right. I don't know. That's interesting. But, um, yeah, man, you're gonna, you're gonna have to come up here. Yeah, dude. We'll do like an in yeah. person. I'm uh, I've got a cushion now, so I'm trying to get some. Uh, I don't even know how to get flight points, but I'm trying to figure out how to do that and take more flights <laughs> places. <laughs> so I'm taking my first one next next month to Colorado, and then after oh, yeah. that, I would. Uh, yeah, no, I would love to. I I thought about driving, but I don't know. I would have to get like a rental. And at that point, it's not worth it. I'd rather just fly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I'd love to come up and hang out, go hiking, go skating. Yeah. Do all kinds of shit. Dude, this is actually a great place to, to longboard. Really? Like, all There's the roads so are many super hills smooth. and smooth in it. Yeah. And everything is curvy. Like the blocks, there's no square blocks. Everything is curvy around the hills. The one time I've, the one time I did stay in Utah, the, neighborhood i stayed in yeah you had to take like a curvy downhill like road to get to the main road and the all the whole time i was just like fuck i should have brought my skateboard <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's usually what i that's usually the first thought i have anytime i'm out of town is fuck i should have brought my skateboard mm -hmm. uh when is your show in colorado uh, July, out, right? uh, yeah, July 20th at the Black Sheep in Colorado Springs with Carnifex. <laughs> I think it's just, oh. I think it's just sell and Carnifex. Uh, that could sell. be, there might, there might be other, might be locals. I don't know. We're, we're the only local, I think, technically. Um, yeah, it'll That's be, cool. yeah, we'll see what happens. I've not been to a Carnifex show since 2011. <laughs> uh that's 10 years <laughs> yeah so, it's crazy uh, i don't even know what the fuck they sound like anymore um but yeah well it'll be we'll see how it goes it's cool it's funny how like you and skylar and these other people made this band mm. it's kind of like a side mm -hmm. side project with not much effort and you're getting more attention yeah it's, a lot of everyone's main bands <laughs> i mean and what's funny is like it's basically michael the guitarist wrote everything and so i mean and then um the uh the video we shot like that was all the dude that 
did the video Easter. Uh, oh wait, I just fucked up his name. Easter Daily. He. Uh, yeah, he uh, or Eric Easterday. Sorry, that's his Instagram handle. Um, it was all thanks to basically the people we worked with. <laughs> I mean, and that and that's what's crazy to see. That that's what's cool about projects like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Just doing uh, ha, ha, we're basically the manpower, and they are like the ideas that got us any type of traction. And knowing, like, what YouTube channel to upload it to. Like, I don't know, just all that stuff that I've never really, like... I didn't do any of that. So, it's interesting to see to see how it's shaped after taking that approach, you know? Um, yeah. Just knowing where to post it, who to work with, that type of stuff. Yeah. It's weird no, to see cool. it play out. That's what we need to get good at, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm trying. To have, uh, I'm trying. Need to get someone, someone, uh, someone who's good at that to come give us some consulting. Yeah, for real. Live on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We could do that. Well, and what's weird is it's just always changing. I feel like, and with especially heavy metal music, I think it's hard to to plan on where is it going to be in the next five years. It changed. It's changed even from when we were going to shows when we were in high school. You know, like if you think of how they were back then, as opposed to now, like it's just the evolution of it has changed so much. Yeah, yeah. It's really well. In a lot of ways, we're operating on the fringes mm-hmm. of these sub sub genres, and so that's where things are kind of flickering and changing. And experiments yeah. are being tried and you kind of just position yourself. And if the spotlight comes to you, you know, if your particular sound uh, gets a new wave of interest um, for, for a lot of bands, that's how I've seen it happen. But also there's a way that you can, you can put yourself out there in such a way where you grow and a lot of eyes see you. Right. And that's what, I've always been, well, both of us have always been not great at, but also it feels, it feels weird. It feels gross. Yeah. Strange things. I never know when is the right time to start, uh, treating my self as like, uh, I've just involved in so many different bands. I, I never know when to start being like uh like when do i start promoting this stuff legitimately (laughs) or like and do i always just need to stay how i've always been which is a dude that just likes playing music essentially is all of what i want to do and that's it has nothing to do with recognition or like what what band or what uh how much hype any of them get you know it just has to do with i like playing instruments different kinds of instruments i want to collect instruments when i get older like everything from brass to string and wind you know like mm-hmm. just music and just making music with other people is all i want to do um and i hate that a lot of uh artists or whatever nowadays it's all about the like branding so when people even start talking about it and they're super knowledgeable about it. Sometimes it's really hard for me to want to listen. <laughs> but 
but yeah. but I'm wondering if it's becoming a detriment and I need to just like train some of my brain to be knowledgeable in that stuff if I'm going to keep doing it but we'll see totally yeah um yeah there's some part of it that's necessary some part of it that's practical but what's the balance mm-hmm. and what yeah when is the right time when is the right thing like I haven't quite like I've, <clears throat> I've promoted some of the stuff I've done, like some of the projects I've made, but I haven't quite hit a consistency with one of them or known that I was going to be doing something specifically mm-hmm. for a long time to really say that like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in this. Like this is the next three years of what my work represents or, or whatever. It's hard. I haven't been able to define anything or quite put it in a box Mm-hmm. Uh, or put it in any kind of package. It's like easy to spread virally or anything like that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what it is. And um, but once it's time, you know, like if I want to, whatever I want to do, if I want to do it on my own, whether it has something to do with software or music or any number of things I might get into. You know, I, I need to have some kind of ability to communicate it because mm. that's really what it is. It feels less gross to say communicating than like branding or, or anything like that. Uh, but it's like, yeah, communicating, storytelling, like what is the story behind what you're doing, what you're into? And because that's what people relate to. And when people relate, I think that's what makes them want to follow, makes them want to yeah. see it makes them curious so but yeah we'll uh we'll get some some uh some some scotty up in here or something yeah we need a we need a what what is that called a uh what kind of rep is that a pr rep is that what that is yeah we need a we need some pr get our pr reps in we need our social media manager uh (laughs) to get us some of that metalcore money you know (laughs) that's what we're fucking fiending for at yeah, the end man. of the day, that metalcore Bitcoin. Soon. Something. Soon. Once once we're streaming Bitcoin for every second of riff of when, riffage. When's the tooth shit coin coming out? <laughs> uh, we're not we'll making call it. We'll call it a one gold tooth. That, that would be an NFT. Okay, yeah. We'll make then, one gold tooth. No, tooths. we're not gonna do that. Tooth you heard it here. Tooth NFTs. <laughs> One gold tooth coming twenty thirty. Yep. Twenty <laughs> thirty. Sweet man. You wanna call it? Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. Appreciate it.